My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you are enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Welcome back. I am your host, Patricia, and today we are sitting down with Cassandra Shuck. Cassandra is a serial entrepreneur and an entrepreneurial advisor. Welcome, Cassandra. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. For everyone listening, Cassandra's um, website is CassandraShuck.com, and I'm going to read a bio to give you a background of her. But before I do that, today's podcast, I'll give you a brief roadmap. It's going to follow the same trajectory as all in these series. Namely, we'll first look at um, Cassandra's academic background and early professional life, and then we'll turn to unpacking her brand and all of the tools and services involved in it, namely the who, what, when, where, why, and how on the back end, and then we'll get into some of the ethos and the philosophical um, nature of it. And then we'll turn towards goals that Cassandra may have for the next uh, one to three to five years regarding scaling, branding, expansion, all of those interesting things, maybe even um, how the current climate is affecting things. And then we'll wrap everything up with advice that Cassandra has for those of you who are looking to either get involved with her or perhaps emulate some of her success. A quick bio on Cassandra before I start questioning her with all of my um, inquiries. Cassandra has always been good at the hustle. Cassandra is creative, innovative, and fierce, traits that helped her become a successful serial entrepreneur and entrepreneurial advisor. A natural visionary, she has built multiple businesses, including Tola Marketing and Creative and Milk and Cookie from the ground up. And I'm not sure if I said those right, but we'll get that into that, Cassandra. As a business growth and um, profitability expert, Cassandra digs deep every day to bring integrity, perspective, innovation, and curiosity to every client she meets and project projects she undertakes. Cassandra's greatest passion is helping entrepreneurs leverage their past trials and traumas to create fulfilling million-dollar businesses. For more information about Cassandra's story, programs, and podcasts, or to book Cassandra for a speaking engagement, you can connect with her again at her website. That's CassandraShuck.com, C-A-S-S-A-N-D-R-A, S-H-U-C-K dot com. So Cassandra, I'm really excited to get into what you do and kind of talk about all of the services and tools that you use um, within your business. But before we do that, I'm hoping you can paint like a brief academic background and early professional life that brought you to this point. Yeah, totally. So um, I had a really different upbringing, I guess you could say, to kind of start. 
I actually still to this day do not have a high school diploma. I dropped out of high school um, really to get out of the environment that was like my household growing up. I grew mm. up in a house that was just covered with drugs and alcohol use and physical and mental abuse. And I honestly did everything I could to escape that house. So I, one of those things that I did was to honestly drop out of high school. Um, yeah. I had a mentor kind of along the way. She helped me test into college. I did an SAT test at 16, got a perfect score and said, sayonara, I'm leaving this house and never looked back. So I kind of did the traditional schooling route, but a little bit earlier. Um, I graduated with my bachelor's degree at 19, went on to get my master's degree by 21. So really kind of fast tracked that that scenario. Um, What was your bachelor's degree in? Yeah, it was uh, international business, marketing relationships and entrepreneurship. And did you do a grad school program? I did. It was M- it was an MBA in innovative entrepreneurship. That's amazing. That I mean, it's it it's it's such a surreal jump out of, and it sounds like it's part of your story from looking over some of the literature on your website and and what you cater to now. In fact, the populations that you serve, you know, it's become part of like your core narrative, right? This this quick jump. I mean, to have that kind of drive towards an academic career. You were just a baby, you know, getting an MBA. What was your first job after that? Yeah, so my first job, I was actually in the auto industry. Um, My parents loved cars. So it's actually another big piece of my story where I kind of did this corporate trajectory and looked for approval from my parents because I never got it in the household as a child. So I like, I literally was a VP of marketing of their favorite auto manufacturer by the time I was 25. Wow. Were you (laughs) tempted to stay there? What's that? Were you tempted to stay in that industry? It's a young age to get there. It's, I'm assuming the salary you were commanding was not too shabby. Um, salary was beautiful. Company car was $120,000. So yeah. um, it was tempting to stay there. But I had this path where every nine months I would kind of churn and burn the job that I was in. And if it was something that like I was really passionate in the beginning about nine months later, I would kind of be done with it. I would be exhausted. I wouldn't be fulfilled. And I really started getting into this space of questioning why that was happening. Because by the time you've hit that fourth cycle, and it's you know been four nine-month cycles constantly progressing in the companies that I was in, mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, why am I doing this? And honestly, it was some that's when I actually started diving into more of the personal development, kind of starting to heal my past and realizing that I was actually, again, hindsight being 2020, looking for this approval and love in these jobs that I was getting. That's interesting. So was there a self-sabotage attached to it or did you just constantly need the new experience and thrill of a new position? So I think it was the new experience and thrill. There wasn't self-sabotage. If you looked at it from on paper, everything was going great. And I was moving up the com- in the companies that I was in super quickly. Um, for me, it was more along the lines of me getting this job and then actually going back to my parents, both the abusers, and saying, look at what I did. Look at how great I am. Like, will you love me? Will you give me that gold star? Yeah. And kind of seeking that uh, that love and approval. Did you, I'm wondering throughout all of this, without diving too much into your, you know, interpersonal um, life and details that you may or may not want to um, divulge with us today, but it sounds like there's a lot of actual therapy applied to this, this growth and the self-realization that you had. Was that done um, like on a professional level or was it all kind of this internal um, retrospection and dialogue that you did with yourself? 
So it was a combination of every therapy known to man. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. There was a decent number of professional therapy. I worked with um, an EMDR specialist for a really long time because I was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, I actually started calling on more of a holistic journey as well. I worked with a yoga um, guru, I worked with um, Reiki people and energy people. So I've kind of combined the best of like the Western and Eastern medicine to actually work through my own, my own healing. Nice. It sounds driven, just like your academic career. Um, mm -hmm. I'm wondering, so after you kind of, when did, when did that peter out? When did you find out the cycle and stop doing the every nine month type of thing? Did it exist for years? Did it happen just for the cycle of three or four different positions? Yeah, it happened, um, honestly, from the time I graduated. So about age 20 till about 26. So it happened for about six years. Um, and I would just kind of bounce from job to job, company to company. And like I said, I was progressing. So I would start out as a marketing manager and then go to the v go to the director and then go to senior director and then kind of move my way up. Um, it just was not, it wasn't healthy when you look back at it as to what it was that I was actually doing from a mental state. No, and it's amazing how we can, um, well, how one is, you know, if, if, if crafty enough can put a spin on something unhealthy and, and make it look quite charming and successful. You know, it's, it, it takes a lot of bravery to take some of those things where success could be interpreted in that and say, but it wasn't a, a healthy system. It wasn't being motivated <laughs> from a healthy means. Um, well, I, I want to turn- attaching. Oh, go ahead. No, go, please. It was you attaching? Was it was me attaching to someone else's like, I desire for what my life should look like. So I figured, you know, if I do get this VP job and I do get this really cool car and I do get all these things and this pension and 401k and all the things that look good on paper, I'm like, maybe then like my, for me, my parents will say like, you did a great job despite all of that you had to overcome with us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Validation from without. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, um, so if, how can you kind of launch us into, let's unpack, um, Cassandra shop, the brand and your services. Let's start with the impetus for you launching it. Can you kind of draw a picture as to what you were doing at the time and why you chose to kind of go off and, and develop your own service and brand under CassandraShuck.com? Yeah. So honestly, Cassandra Shuck came out of Tola marketing. So I had decided one day when I was at this job, I said, I'm done at the end of this season. And I went in and I put my two weeks notice in and my boyfriend at the time, which is now my husband said, what are you doing? Where are we going? Like, what's, what's going to happen with all of this? And I was like, I'm going to go do my own thing. And that was how Tola was born. Um, so Tola was, and still is a full service marketing agency for female entrepreneurs. And it's anything from website design, graphics, logos, SEO, kind of that whole world. Um, but in that, I have this innate ability to see people's business and see what's ahead of them. Um, I actually blame it on my trauma. I can see 10 steps ahead and 50 different options coming at you just based on kind of where I've been. And uh, underneath this brand for Tola, I would do someone's website and I'd be like, let's talk about your products. Let's talk about your suite. Let's talk about, you know, your pricing options and how you're getting your clients and your marketing funnel. And, and I would just kind of go off and they would buy a website, but they would get all of this free kind of business coaching and support before it was even a thing. Yeah. Um, so honestly, that's where Cassandra Shuck came out of about six years of doing that. Um, I was like, oh, I should probably monetize all of this free support that I'm giving with an added website. Absolutely. When was, so when would you say it was launched? So I would say it was launched honestly about four years ago. Around 2016. Yes. 
Nice. And then was it just you as far as the founder? I know that you had the Tola like um, affiliation and things of that nature, but for this specific, like the Cassandra Shuck end of it, did you take any funding? Did you bring anyone else on board as a co-founder? Was it all you bootstrapped? How did that work? It's a hundred percent all me. Um, so for me, honestly, I would, I moved over one of my executive assistants from Tola and a couple of my team members from Tola. And honestly, it was bootstrapped and, and stood up pretty pretty easily. Um, I have had the funding because of the, because of Tola and my couple of my other companies. So I like to say that they kind of poured a little bit into Cassandra Shuck, but not from like a, an investor standpoint or a co-founder. It's hundred percent my personal brand now. Nice. Can you get into like the areas or the, the people that you tend to specialize with, like your ideal clientele? Is it everybody? Are there very niche specific people? Can you kind of climb, climb us through that as far as who you've had thus far? Yeah, absolutely. So I tend to work with someone who has some sort of limiting beliefs or self-doubt. So for the most part, um, my marketing is geared towards women, but I do have a couple smart men, they like to call it that actually do work with me. So I'm not really gender specific, um, but it's someone who has had some success in their business and gets hung up on the little things that are, are limiting beliefs for them. So they might not be, and we may face issues where there's worthiness issues, where there's money issues, whether there's communication issues and, and not asking for what it is they deserve. And honestly, a lot of the work that I do ties heavily back into their story and to their trauma but then also ties into hardcore business strategy. So we may figure out that, you know, you have a problem with self-worthiness and money, but we're going to figure out why that happened. You're going to figure out your target hourly income, and then we're going to figure out how to price your products accordingly. So I kind of like to work both sides of it. Yeah. How do you decide what kind of techniques are going to, does it just come to you? It sounds like there's this organic process about as far as what techniques will work for which client. Yeah. So I have kind of a, a toolbox that I've created. And for me, I try to figure out what this is the one thing I can do initially that's going to move the needle the most. Um, I am not a huge salesperson. I don't love, you know, following up with someone 10 times for them to buy a program. But if I can do something for, you know, an hour with them and they can move the needle, they come back to me on a continuous basis. So it's really for me having kind of this seeing where to go and having this proof of concept that I'm able to just dive in and say, okay, this is squeaking the loudest. If we fix this, you'll see some initial success. And then we can go ahead and fix some of the, the other ancillary items. Absolutely. And it's I mean, a cycle, as you know, in business. I mean, sometimes some things flare up for you and other times, you know, you up level to another level and you're like, oh, I thought I healed that issue where I wasn't picked for the kickball team. <laughs> like, I thought I healed that. I mean, and putting your money where your mouth is, if you are actually moving the bottom line or moving the needle so that the bottom line is facilitated, that's enough motivation to, you know, I mean, that's what everyone wants, right? It's, exactly. it's proof, it's change, it's active change. Um, I personally am a big, uh, uh, a big believer in action items. Mm -hmm. And I talk to a lot of coaches that have these wonderful philosophical in, insights for, you know, some of their clients, but they don't have a lot of actionable items. And I think it's because um, perhaps I'm limited in the way that I look at things. However, I think that they intend for their clients to develop action items on their own. How would you mm -hmm. describe your style as a coach? And would you even call yourself a coach? 
So I don't love the term coach. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like coach for me is kind of standing on the sidelines, maybe cheering and doing a little bit of support. That's why I kind of use the words guide and um, advisor kind of interchangeably, so to speak. Um, A lot of times I am 100% action item oriented. I know it's, it depends on the client, to be honest with you. So there's some people that just need a little bit of a, a mindset push, need a little bit of a cheer, and then some action items. There's other people who are like, hey, I'm here to run. Give me the list of things I need to do and I'll get them done by Friday. Yeah. So I am more of the, give me the list of things and I'll get them done by Friday type of girl, um, just because that's where I see the most success. And that's what I've wanted for me, for my business, for in a coach. So that's kind of where my clients come in and, and see and see Absolutely. my benefit. I agree as well. I mean, I've, t- I've spoken to nothing shy of maybe 40 different, you know, entrepreneurs and um, professionals alike this year. And the, the term coach is just, it's so loaded. No one really mm-hmm. knows what anyone means anymore. And, um, you know, at very least, it's an opportunity to redefine what you mean by that. So I, I think that I agree with you on that particular term. I'm curious, um, when you look at your website and you read some of your doctrine and your verbiage as to what, where you come from, it seems like you feel like a, a large majority of your clients or people that you work with, are um, their businesses are attached to their person, you know, their very personal life, which a lot of people don't put together. And also that the personal mm-hmm. life has got um, trauma, as you were mentioning, you know, be it high level that we consider to be abuse or even lower level, you know, not getting picked on the, the softball team. And that preventing this like much, much later down the road career success. Can you kind of speak to how you draw that out? And um, it seems like you must have found it in the majority of people you've worked with because it's, you know, it's this um, technique that you go in and find. Can you kind of unravel some of that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I actually shied away from the word trauma for a really, really long time um, because I used that term when it came, I saw that term as it connected to like a victim. And I was like, I'm not a victim. I got out of it. I don't want to use that term. So I actually resisted that I even had trauma in my past. And I mean, I grew up in the serious kind of depths of physical, mental, and sexual abuse. So there's this like era of entrepreneurship that at a certain level, your, your entrepreneurship endeavor, no matter what it is, it could be an ice cream shop, but doesn't have to be like a personal brand Mm -hmm. is actually a mirror and a reflection of your personal development. I a hundred percent believe. So as I was kind of starting to work with people in the in Tola in that space, and I was starting to see some of the areas where they were holding on to perfectionism or where they were, you know, white, literally white knuckling their grip and trying to like manipulate and control their business, or they were self-sabotaging, or they were basically da- like downplaying their success was a huge one I saw. Um, I actually 100% realized, and that's when I started doing the work as it relates to what I do now, identifying those and then working to, to move those away and to manipulate those. So what has your growth been thus far? Like um, you've been around for, you know, it's, it's a, four years is a chunk of change. People would say it's entering just for that particular, I'm talking about Cassandra Shuck. I know that Tola is a different, you know, it's got a longer mm-hmm. history, but you're definitely in your toddlerdom right? You're yes. kind of out of the, the, the scary Potty training. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with it. What do you think your growth has been? And I don't just mean the bottom line, like even you, this is a very emotional response. Like the growth can be success as it's measured to you on any level. How do you feel that the growth has been over the past four years? So I think there's a level of fulfillment from this business that I haven't been able to get from any others because it is personal and because I am able to really see the changes that I'm doing for my clients. I think that's the biggest piece. Um, 
it is nice that it did grow or we should be pushing seven figures next year or this should come, pardon me, this year, but towards the end. Um, nice. So if, I think the financial success comes with mm-hmm. the actual fulfillment of doing the work that I know I was put here to do. How do you find, I'm wondering, has it, and has it changed? Um, I always forget that second half, but when, how do you find, it sounds like you kind of shared some nepotism with Tola for the original clientele, but do you advertise on social media? What is your greatest form of finding um, new clients? So honestly, right now, my form of new clients is a little bit paused uh, just because of the coronavirus, but I'm, t- I'm typically speak about my story. I'm on a number of podcasts and stages and I actually go into to my trauma and what that looks like for people because I, with considering I had such a great degree, people can see what I've overcome and they're like, oh, mine's not that bad. That's the result that I, t- that's the, 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 that's the reaction I typically get, I should say is, oh, if you overcame that, I can overcome this. So honestly, most of my lead gen for, for my coaching is through some of it through Tola. Yes, but actually it's through my speaking. And then I'm in the process of writing a book um, and just really, uh, and then I have a great group of referrals on a referral network that I use as well. That's exciting. So I believe, yeah, I believe that if you actually can move the needle and do have success with clients, they will talk about you and they absolutely do. It's, it's proven a hundred times out of a hundred times. <laughs> I agree. I do. And I think that it doesn't always necessarily happen in a time order. I think it can happen right away. I think it can happen kind of, and people talk about this landslide moment where they're like, everything was kind of just trudging along and then bam, you know, it's like that rainfall um, of things. Well, let's get into your podcast just a little bit. I know we were talking um, pre, pre-production about it, but can you tell us um, what the, the name of it is and where people can find it and what you discuss on it? Yeah, of course. So it's called Stacked Against. And honestly, it's tying that trauma story into people's businesses. So I interview entrepreneurs who have somehow birthed their business or a part of their business out of their trauma. And I've had people who have had dealt with addiction, who have dealt with homelessness, who have literally been hit by a truck. Um, Just crazy, crazy, amazing stories. Because I think in the space that we're in, we always see someone who's ahead of us and we're like, oh, well, it was easy for them. Oh, well, they didn't have anything that they had to overcome. And I really just wanted to level that playing field of seeing people who we idolize and we look towards that they've had their same stuff too, that they've had to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. It's a powerful motivator too. I mean, that storyline is so inspirational. I think it's, um, it sounds interesting for people across, you know, all, all interest levels. So what do you think looking forward at the next, it sounds like you're not one to shy away from goals. And I know that the current climate has changed this narrative. And so, um, I encourage everyone I've been speaking to lately, you can either speak to before the pandemic, or, Mm -hmm. um, if you've had a chance to kind of reassess, or you're still kind of looking, what are your goals for, um, both Tola and like, uh, Cassandra Shuck over the next, like say one to three years. Yeah. So for Tola, I'm actually removing myself from the business more and more each year. Um, in the next three years, I actually hope to just be there maybe 5% of the time, Mm -hmm. um, to just kind of act as that supervisory advisory position and treat it like some of the other businesses I've invested in. Um, for a time there, I actually was struggling with, with whether I keep whether I kept it or not, just because it was starting to fall a little bit more out of alignment with one of the work that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my major goal with that one is to continue to grow it, to continue to support the team that works there, but then more in that advisory role. And then honestly, for Cassandra Shuck, my goal is to get the book published is a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put it out there that I would love it to be a New York Times bestseller in three years. 
Nice. Um, and then honest to continue to do the work and speak about the work that, that it is that I do, especially considering right now we're living through a trauma that people don't realize either. And that's so many people right now are in that hustle survive mentality that they don't even know, you know, after this is all said and done with what it's going to look like, how we're go how people are going to come out of it. There's going to be a lot of ramifications and a lot of things that we have to kind of peel back the layers of after this is all said and done. So we're actually, all of us right now as business owners are in this space. And it's, you know, it's a unifying thing as well, you know, within a shared hardship like this, it's, it's a, it's a shared grievance and it can create dialogue instead of, you know, shut doors. I think that this type of thing is, it can be used as a platform for people to, you know, develop these, um, even social groups and, you know, and, and um, pathways for success or, um, to start to rebuild. I agree with you, you know, and I, we don't even know where we're going to end up yet, but I think that that's true. I wondered with that, when I looked at all of your information prior to speaking with you, do you have pieces of advice that you could give people right now regarding um, when you're in the middle of trauma, you know, it being, let's talk about just the, the COVID, you know, trauma. Do you have pieces of advice that you would give everyone listening about in regards to how to handle it or what to, how to look at it? Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually been, that's been the number one thing that I've been speaking about lately is how to recognize that you're in a trauma and how to understand it from a personal level and then how to understand it from a business level as well. Cause I think there's two, there's two pieces in here that we we have the personal piece that we're affected in and then we have the business piece. And a lot of times they're separate, but a lot of times they're together. So um, one of the things that I'm encouraging people to do right now is to slow down a little bit and to breathe and to actually not make super rash, quick, impulsive decisions, because that's one of the biggest things that happens when you're in this survival trauma state mm -hmm. is you quickly, you know, fire everyone, turn the lights off, pivot, open a new business. Like I've seen all of these things in the land, current landscape happening right now. And then people will go after this is said and done, they'll go back and kick themselves. So my whole thing right now is to, to not make those impulsive decisions and to really work on humans, human issues is what I'm calling them. So being, yeah. if you have employees, being there for your employees, being that communicator, trying to be that leader, that strong face, um, but really slowing down the role and, and not taking it not basically just flipping the switch and throwing baby out with bathwater right now. It's wise. It's hard. It's hard to maintain, I think, sometimes a sense of calm, mm -hmm. you know, without becoming um, even disillusioned or want to just walk away from it without turning off, just turning the volume down. That's um, frequently a difficult one in times of crisis, I think. I was going to say as well, I feel like right now um, we do have the time and space for people to start figuring out things maybe that weren't working or that, you know, could be working a little bit better. So basically taking some gratefulness to that space that, you know, us as entrepreneurs generally don't have as well is, yeah. is absolutely huge. Yeah, I concur. Um, well, I was going to say, I wrap up every podcast with um, usually drawing this, what I think is maybe a little darling, you know, scenario of someone as I've heard them be to me on the podcast and writing it back. But given that your story is, um, is filled with such candor, you know, and bravery and honesty, it feels inappropriate. So I've, I've restructured my final question into being something probably a little bit more mature, and I might just go on doing this in the future. But I'm wondering <laughs> if someone came up to you tomorrow, and it's important that the person in your head be um, female or female identified or non-binary, not a male, mm -hmm. um, and not coming from a place of privilege like that. Um, 
uh, and they asked you for, you know, your top three pieces of advice, and they were in a very similar life path as you, and they had, um, they had suffered trauma, and they'd identified it, and um, they were using it as a springboard to go on and further their future career. What are the top three pieces of advice that really would have serviced you most um, when launching, like, Tola and all of that back in the day? Oof. Um, breathe is the first one. Absolutely. Um, just taking a breath, taking a moment, taking a beat. That's actually where I first realized that Tola was what needed to be born um, was that I was actually on a six week kind of sabbatical from work. Um, so actually being able to have that spaciousness and just being able to breathe for a moment is definitely number one. Um, number two. Hmm. There's so many that are just going through my head right now. Yeah. I would have to say, think about it is who you want to serve and how, who you, how you want to show up in the world. And then think about a former version of you and what it is that she would need. Cause I feel like so often we kind of get bogged down into the, the shoulds and we don't actually think about the former version that would have like, we would have loved to lend a hand to and like pull the sister up. So I feel like that, that was a really, really big piece for me as well. Um, launching into my personal business more so than, than Tola. And then I would say the next piece is honestly just if it's calling to you and if you keep hearing it and if it keeps reoccurring in dreams and coming up when you're journaling and, you know, coming up in a meditation form or whatever, wherever, honestly, start to listen to that call because that's actually your intuition talking to you about what you should be doing and not needing to fit necessarily within this box that society wants to, to put you in. Those are great. I love that. All right. So for everyone, I always re um, summarize. So I've got breathe, think about who you want to be and how you want to show up and what the you and the equation um, would look like and what you would need. And then finally, listen to your calling. Pay attention mm -hmm. to those things that keep showing up, those thoughts and dreams over and over. I love those. It's so hopeful. And we need that right now. You know, we need that. We need that <laughs> hope. And um, we are all out of time. But I wanted to say thank you so much, Cassandra, for um, giving us your story and kind of walking us through everything. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your candor. And um, I really hope that we can talk again in the future. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. For everyone listening, we've been talking to Cassandra Shuck. You can find her at CassandraShuck.com. And thank you for giving us your time today. And until we speak again next time, stay safe and remember to always bet on yourself. Slunch.